0: Right away, I thought we'd have a few minutes for me to have some more coffee, like I need coffee. Okay. I'll get you coffee. No, uh, mm, yep, I got it right here. (laughs) I just don't need it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it is like a men's meeting, isn't it? Hi, all you guys. (laughs) Hi Zoomers, welcome. And um, my name is Jackie, I'm an alcoholic. Jackie. And um, let's see, I want to thank Ryan. Thank you so much for inviting me. You know, I'm really grateful to be here on New Year's Eve. You know, uh, back in the day, New Year's Eve was like a huge deal. Um, today it still is, but now it's sober. I've had some wonderful New Year's Eve, sober New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. And, you know, the Canyon Club. <laughs> oh, yeah, surprise so date's April 28th of 2006 and <laughs> New Year's Eve I'll never forget speaking of patio chew yeah, chewing gum she'd be like this get that, give me that gum she hated it so you're lucky Patty wasn't here so, so one New Year's Eve I was a couple years sober and um, you know the Canyon Club always has that New Year's Eve party and so I went reluctantly I think it was probably the first time I went so I was a couple years sober I usually had my kids and I remember I go in there and Patty's Patty was always at the New Year's Eve party. I remember walking up just like, oh, look, at my life has come too. I can't believe I'm at the Canyon Club on New Year's Eve. I go, I'm literally going to hang myself. And Patty's like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, Ashley or someone, they're passing around delays. And they're like, oh, here's a lay. And Patty's like, oh, look, now you have something to hang yourself with. (laughs) I mean, it was like, couldn't have planned it. It was. I'm gonna hang myself and then put a layer on my neck right after that. It was, you know, Patty. She's like, "Oh no, look." And I had a really good time that that year. <laughs> okay, so okay, so that's my little story. Okay, so I'm um, gonna share in a general way what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. And you know, my, I too had um, the alcoholic home, and I swore I would. I would have bet my life that I wouldn't be an alcoholic. I would have bet my life that I was never going to drink. My dad was um, that tornado, that violent, mean alcoholic that um, tore through our life until I was 11. You know, when I was in first grade, I had migraines. I had ulcers. um, I was terrified of my dad. And so I lived in that fear you know, like I said, um, until I was 11. And when I was 11, when my mom left my dad, you know, it was like, um, like one of the best days of my life, you know, after since then, obviously, you know, I got married, which that it used to be, but having my kids, but, you know, that still is one of the best days of my life is um, when my dad left. And I, you know, I hate saying that because I... Um, um, I went to therapy. I'm kind of going to jump around a little bit, but just because, you know, I went to therapy when right before I got married. I got married when I was 26. And um, I drank heavily over that, my dad, hating my dad. And, you know, my dad was in AA. I can say that he was an alcoholic because he identified as an alcoholic because he was in and out of AA. And um, I just, something came over me. Like, you know, I can't. You know, my brother's fifty 60, and he still drinks over it. So I know had I still be you know, I would have drank up until I stopped drinking. And so at twenty five, I guess it was twenty six, I thought I should get some therapy and I did, and it's really interesting because this woman, this is just a weird little thing. Um, she said, okay now' we're, we're not you're not gonna come here every week and you're not gonna start talking about your dad and you're not gonna go on and on. you know we we're gonna make out a plan. We're going to tell, i forget three months six months and, we're, and she kind of laid out what we were going to do and at the end of the, this therapy she's like okay now you're going to find your dad and you're going to make it right and you're going to make amends for your part and you're going to be a good daughter and you're going to tell him these things and you know at that time my dad was um mia again you know my dad would drink he'd do good and then oh dad's mia again you know where is he at now he was usually somewhere drinking himself to death well this time he was he almost he drank himself to death. He was in Bullhead City and, um, drove himself to the VA hospital. And uh, at the time I tried to find him, I think it was about a week. It was right before Christmas, like 90 or 91. And, um, we found him at the VA hospital. And so I did what she asked me to do. Uh, I went and saw him, and, you know, he was in such a state. He was, they didn't think he would live that long. And he ended up living like nine months and Know in that nine months, I'm so grateful that I got that therapy because uh, I got to be a good daughter, mm-hmm. trying to talk to him and tell him some things that I was supposed to tell him. I didn't because he was dying from alcoholism and cancer. And he, he, it was just wasn't, I was just really grateful that I got that time with him. And then fast forward a few years, my brother-in-law would, was seeing that lady, the therapist, and she was in AA. She was in the 12-step program. And um, so when I got sober, I'm like, oh, my God, she totally like put me through the steps in my (laughs) drunken little self. But it it worked. I mean, it worked in the sense that I never drank again over um, that relationship with my dad. Anyway, so um, I had my first drink when I was 14 or my first drunk when I was 14. Um, My sister got married. My sister's four years older than me. She got married really young. I'm 14. I'm Mm -hmm. in the yellow chiffon dress with the little flowers, big flower thing in my hair. And, um, my little friends were there and were drinking. And I vividly remember, you know, um, I always, um, once I ingested alcohol, the phenomenon of craving instantly set in and I'm 14 and I can't stop drinking. And I didn't even knew at that point, I didn't relate it to my dad, but I just knew that I was drinking differently. My little girlfriends were like giggling. And I'm like, Fly, you know, laying on the, the sidewalk and I'm crying and um, just getting sick and just acting crazy. And, you know, laying on the sidewalk would become a theme for my drinking. <laughs> um, are we um, keeping you for something, Ryan? Okay. 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 <laughs> it's all distracting. Sorry. Now I gotta start over. Uh-huh jackie alcoholic <laughs> anyway so you know i didn't drink i didn't start drinking every day after that um but i always knew that i had a problem i always knew that if i ingested alcohol i didn't know how long i was going to drink <clears throat> you know i got through high school everyone was doing drugs uh, uh let's see mushrooms cocaine black beauties uh, all that was like oh and then my brother was doing a lot of acid so all these drugs and i was really against drugs until I was 19 and then um, when I was 19 I don't this is Brent this is one of those things that came to me <laughs> you know I was like I was telling Brent it's like you know all of a sudden something comes to me like oh my god I can't believe that happened oh yeah I did that so at like 19 i um, always against drugs I was we were driving to the horse races where every all us little alcoholics like to go I was dating this guy that like drink and do drugs and I finally did uh, cocaine and and that, that definitely changed my drinking. The cocaine definitely changed my drinking. I was just able to drink more, but I didn't do cocaine all the time. I didn't drink all the time. Um, I was going to college. I had a lot of dreams and aspirations. Um, I went to be a paralegal. Uh, I was going to go to law school. I wanted to buy this condo and I'm 24 years old and you know I'm in school and I get a job at the law firm and <clears throat> I'm going to graduate from that and move on to law the law school. I buy this condo and you know, I got rid of the one boyfriend that was the alcoholic because he drank too much. It was getting a little violent. And then, you know, and then I meet this other guy, Jim. And, and you know, he was um, going to UCI. He was going to school full time. He was working full time. He was in this fraternity. He was gorgeous. And it was fun. And um, he liked to party like I liked to party. And, you know, um, I was just crazy about the guy but i always knew um oh and he was dealing cocaine so that little side <laughs> yeah. job you know so that was that was always just a little something extra um yeah that wasn't like really good and um and then we got married and you know when i was, we got married when i was 26 so when i was 25 years old you know, I was going to school, I was working two jobs, I was going to transfer, I was getting ready to transfer, I wanted to go to law school, and at 25, one more time, it was my birthday, and we were drinking like we drank, doing the drugs, we were up all night, and one more time, I couldn't go to work, and I'm mean, literally just starting my career, we are just buying, getting ready to buy the condo, I'm just getting ready to transition to school, and um, one more time, I'm 25, and I'm in the morning i know i can't go to work one more time i'm laying on the sidewalk i don't know why I like to lay on the sidewalk but i was hung i was still partying i was laying on the sidewalk it was my birthday it was that morning i knew i couldn't go to work i knew it was just one more time i'm like why i can't do this i gotta stop doing this you know i i, I can't and um my sister showed up and now mind you my sister is four years older than me she got married like i said she was like 18 or 19. she had all these these kids <clears throat> she had a great job at a bank and it would baffle me because she gets up early, she gets the kids ready, gets them fed, ready, drops them off at school or daycare. <clears throat> and then she's at the bank job at like eight. Well, prior, this day, she stops at my house to bring me these uh, cupcakes or cookies for my 25th birthday. And I'm laying on the sidewalk. And I happened to see her drive up and I got up and I just made some excuse, but pitiful. It, it, the shame and the, just the guilt of my shitty life and that I just wanted to kill myself and I just couldn't stop drinking and doing drugs. And I wanted to, and just watching her walk up, I I still can vividly see her walking up um, out of that parking lot with these little bag of cookies, all fresh, you know, and we're talking, it's barely eight and the kids are already, you know, fresh themselves and they're at daycare and school. And I just couldn't understand how she could do that.
1: I'd party all night,
0: peek through the windows and wonder why, how these people can go to work the next day, how they can do it. I just really didn't know. And I always, you know, and then after that, you know, then I still got married and I, I, I like to just touch on this. I'm getting married and I know I shouldn't, I know that the life that we are living is not the life that I want, but I just, it's nothing in me. It's like the power, I needed some power to help me. And I will find that years later. But at this time, there was no power that could help me not, not get married and not and decide like a logical person would say, no, you don't really want to, you don't want to drink and party <coughs> every week and you want, you don't want to do drugs anymore. You don't want to be dealing drugs anymore. A normal person would look at that and go, mm, that's not for me. I'm gonna go this way. But that's not me. What I do is I just still do it. And you know, the day, couple of days before we're getting married, I'm still thinking, what are you doing? And I'm going to tell you, I was married to that guy almost 20 years. Um, Now, when we got divorced, I'm going to kind of jump up. So through that marriage, I was able to work a lot. Um, As a matter of fact, I worked for Tim. Tim and I worked together. He was the attorney and I was paralegal. And we got a lot of work done and we got a lot of drinking. Um, I like that you share in a general way. You know, we had a lot of parties at our house we had that party house with the pool and the pool table and everyone got to swim. And we had a whole plethora of robes. Everybody got to put their robe on and their slippers and walk around and party. It was very, um, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> it was until like the next day at six or eight <laughs> in the morning. And you're like, okay, we're going to, everyone needs to get out. Um, anyway, so I get married I know I shouldn't get married. And you know, uh, What I end up doing is I end up hiding alcohol from my husband. You know, I'm I get to the point where I'm drinking in the morning. I probably drank in the morning the last seven, eight years of my drinking. At 25, I wanted to kill myself. I didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't get sober till 41. And so I literally drank 15 years. I always say I drank against my will for 15 years. I wanted to kill myself off and on. My husband would come home. We would party on Friday. He can get his stuff together and go to work i couldn't you know eventually i didn't work i didn't work for years and um he would come home from work and i would have leave like these notes i'm gonna kill myself no i i didn't do this once or twice i did this a handful of times because i was so um i didn't want to drink but i had to drink and to live like that i'd rather be dead and i did i really wanted to die you know i i had times where I would take pills, I would drink. I, I held a gun to my head once. I'm like, I'm gonna kill myself. I'm, but I didn't have the guts to do it. But you know, holding a gun to your head, and um, you think I would've got sober right after that, and I didn't. I still drank. Mm-hmm. I, pro- I drank several years after that. Um. Um, I took pills, I would drink, and try to drink myself to death. I'd leave these notes, find the notes. He never took me to rehab. he always wanted to still drink and party and really really what happened is um, how much time do I have? Where am I? <laughs> okay, okay. Really what happened is you know I would hide the alcohol, he would find it. he would take me off the bank accounts, he'd take me off the credit cards. We had this beautiful um, closet that we turned into this wine. beautiful it had the, the temperature in there. we had the door I mean it was beautiful and a lot of really good wine. But when I was bad, which was all the time, he would like put a freaking padlock on it. And then he would again, take me up all the bank accounts, credit cards, and I would have no money. But as you all know, um, y'all think you're five steps ahead of me, but I'm always going to be 10 ahead of you. He always thought it was a couple steps. So I always had extra money, things hidden. He'd find the alcohol, he'd pour it out. It was just this vicious cycle, you guys. And then I was like, "Okay, I'm not going to drink, and I could, I could get my act together for just a couple days. I, I do, I would detox. I would like hallucinate and sweat. And I'm surprised I didn't die. And then he'd put me back on the bank account, back on the credit cards, take the lock off, and think I'm well. And then it just would happen. That happened not once or twice. We lived like that for a long time until what happened is um, we tried to get pregnant for a long time. Um, that's another real, um, it's a lot of guilt and shame because we're paying all this money to get pregnant and I'm drinking and I'm doing drugs and I'm spending all this money. And, you know, I have family members that are like, oh, I hope you get pregnant. And then I have these people over here that I'm drinking and partying with them that know it. And since they're these lower companions, they really don't care. But living with that, that I just, every day I'd wake up, it's like, I can't believe I'm doing this or what did I do? There was always one of those every day, every night. God help me! I said that freaking prayer for years. Um, and then what happened is I ended up getting pregnant. And when I got pregnant, for some reason I didn't drink. I drank up. I did a lot up until I found out I was pregnant. But once I found out I was pregnant, I didn't. I was some somehow it was a miracle. I didn't have to drink, and I didn't drink. When, once I had that baby. Um. <laughs> you know, I knew in the back of my mind, I always knew it, but like a, a week, a couple of weeks went by. And I remember having this conversation with my husband because I'm like, gosh, I didn't, he was getting ready to turn 40 and the, it was, a, you know, I'm like, okay, I can't drink. I'm not going to drink. I shouldn't drink. You know, I'm trying to nurse the baby. I'm trying to be a mom. And, um, and unfortunately, even then it was in my head. If I'm not drinking, I'm thinking about drinking. I'm thinking about, should I drink? I can't drink as nuts. So, but he had this conversation. He's like, "Well, you know, Jackie, um, you didn't drink when you were pregnant." I remember him just looking at me, and he's like, "You know, you didn't drink when you were pregnant, and if you know, if you're a real alcoholic, you would drink. So you're you're not an alcoholic." And I remember thinking, "Oh no," but I said, "Oh yeah, you're probably right." And so you all know what happened. Um, I started with one beer and then, you know, then I was really right back to where I was. I wanted to kill myself. And now the guilt and remorse is even worse because I have this baby and I'm trying to be a mom. I wanted this kid. I wanted a baby. I wanted to be a mom for all these years. I've got this baby and now I'm drinking. Now I'm hiding the al- alcohol again. I mean, within a couple months, I'm back to hiding the alcohol and he's trying to work and he's coming home and this, I'm a drunk wife and I'm just disgusting but I also want to kill myself, but I don't want to kill myself because I have this baby, but I want to stop. But I can't stop. I'm crawling out of my skin. I'm hiding the alcohol and sneaking the alcohol again. And um, what happens is I get pregnant again. Baby's five months old and I get pregnant again and I don't drink again. And with this baby, you know, um, there were some issues where I had to be on bed rest at five months. And so I was like a dry drunk. Nut. I was mean to everybody. I um, Everyone had to take care of me because I had to be strict bed rest and he's trying to work and we got a one year old and and I'm crying and screaming everybody and I'm hospitalized and the baby's two months early and that's who's in the NICU for a month and I'm trying to um but by, by this time we have a full-time nanny we have a housekeeper um and and I'm nuts. I want to drink but I can't drink because the baby's in NICU and you have to go to the NICU every day and they they check on you and you have to call every night. And if you don't call and there's any problems, they will have report you and and investigate you. So it's a big deal. And at this point I knew that, and I I wanted to be a good mom. And plus I had my one year at home that I wasn't with for a month. And I was just, oh, I was so crazy. And so the baby came home from the NICU and he was home four days. We all drank by the time that kid was three months old. And, my, and the older one was 17 months old. My drinking was far beyond anything it had ever been. But this time now I have a nanny, this full-time little nanny. She's like 19 or 20. She's taking care of my kids and she's taking care of me. And um, when she leaves, it, and I'm being mean to her because now I'm hiding the alcohol from her. And she's being brazen enough now to pour it down the sink. And I'm like yelling at her, like, do you work for me? And... um she would call my husband when she'd leave. You need to come home. She's really bad. You need to come home. She's really bad. You know, he was a wreck because he couldn't trust me with kids. And so this one time he came home, the last time he came home, my first sobriety day was July 23rd of 04. And um, on July, like 22nd, <clears throat> 21st, she called him for that last time. And she said, you need to come home. She's really bad. And when he came home, I went one more blackout, but I had been cooking and there was, I guess I didn't turn the stove off. I was in a blackout, I don't know, but I went upstairs and the baby was in the bassinet. My one-year-old was there and um, I'm in, I did the genie blackouts, the snip, snip, I'm over here, and then snip, oh, I'm home in bed, snip, oh, I'm out at a party. I did that full like genie thing. And so that's what I was doing that night, like blinking. And I see my older son, the one-year-old, like looking at me crying that I had snipped out before and I had gotten sick all over the bassinet, all over the bed all over them, and I'm just in these snippets, and the last thing I remember is Zach's face. And um, I grab him, and thank God he fell asleep, because I passed out, and the baby can't do anything, but Zach is one, and can walk around. And thank God he fell asleep, so thank God that nanny called my husband, because he came home, and whatever was on the stove was smoking, and he walks up into the room, and he sees his drunk wife passed out with the two babies, and I'd gotten sick all over everything. And you know, when I woke up, when I came to later on that day, that night, I'm just like one of those, but this was bad because I knew I did something. I always knew I did something bad because I did the genie thing. So I, when I'd wake up, I'd be like, oh. And I never wanted to ask because I really didn't want to know. And so this is the same thing. I didn't really say anything. I woke up in the middle of the night. But you know what, you guys? I woke up in the middle of the night and I snuck into the closet and I drank more. Because I knew I had done something, but that's what I would do. I was sneaking by the bassinet that whole time the baby was in the bassinet from the week he came home. Up until this point, I'm sneaking by the bassinet in the closet drinking or it's under the front of the bed because I can't go a day, a night without drinking. And um, so when I came to that night, I'm um, I knew it was bad and I'm drinking. And then the next morning, I remember, you know, one more time, like okay, I'm going to get it together. I'm going to get it together. I'm going to be a good mom. I'm going to try to do what I can. But the guilt and the remorse is literally I'm crawling out of my skin. I'm trying the best I can. I'm only drinking a little. I would just drink a little, sneak away, drink a little. And my husband came home for lunch, and um, it must have been the, it was the weekend because they took they took a nap, and I um, snuck out of the house and I left. Now, mind you, I did that all the time before I had kids. He would get on my get on me about drinking, and I would just start a fight, and then be all indignant, and I would leave because how dare you think I'm drinking? I would leave, I'd go to the store, I'd get a whole bunch of alcohol, I'd go to a hotel and I'd go in that hotel and I'd drink all my alcohol. And he wouldn't be there to bother me. But this time when I did it, I had those kids at home with him and this time was it. It's like, I left thinking, okay, I'm either gonna, I'm gonna drink myself to death. Something has to intervene because I can't do this with these kids. I went to the, got a bunch of alcohol. I went to the hotel and he did what he always did. He would drive around to all the hotels in adjoining city, you know, areas. We were in San Juan. I think I ended up in San Clemente. He um, found my car. And here's the magic of what happened this last, this time. He did this several times before this. He would give, Jackie, get home, blah, you know. But this time when he found me, my friend Trish, I don't know if she's spoken here, but she had four years sober. and We hadn't seen her in like five years because she was a really bad alcoholic. And she was nuts. And so we stopped hanging out with her. And at this point, Zach was a year and the kids were, I think I was pregnant with Andrew at the time. She came back into our life. She ran into my brother at a grocery store. And John, my brother, was like, Trish? She's like, Yeah, because he didn't recognize her. She had a dress on and she was going to get like her three or four-year chip. My brother calls me and he's like, Oh my God, you're never gonna believe what I ran into. Because I ran into Trish. Guess where she was going? <laughs> He's like, she's an AA, she was going to get a chip. He's like, Jackie, she looks so good. So he gave her my number, she called me, she came over, she made amends, and we were back in each other's lives. And we got to see the difference firsthand on what a crazy she lost everything. She was a school teacher. She lost I mean, she just lost everything. And then to see when she came back into her life, it was like a true miracle mm-hmm. that I knew no power, no human aid. It was a power greater than anything my husband, and I we're divorced but, that we'd ever seen. So when he came to the hotel, I just got chills because when he came to the hotel that day, I had to lock the chain on and I just cracked it open and I'm drinking and I'm crying, he's crying. And I'm like, I'm not leaving here, I, you know, I'm gonna, this is it. And he's like, I called Trish, you know? And he's like, Jackie, I called Trish. And she had said to call her that she can help you. And then he said, Jackie, remember how Trisha was and look at her now. If she can do it, you can do it. She said she can help you. And you know, that first time I had a little bit of hope, a little bit. And I did. I, um, the next day I called her, I went to her house. She read me something out of the big book. I always forget. She always reminds me. And, um, I started going day eight. July 23rd. 04 was my first date. And I was like, hell yes. And I was on the pink cloud. I was like going to meetings. I was working the steps with her, but I was just like, I was still that my ex-husband used to say um, I couldn't find my way out of a paper bag because I was like, just, I don't know, that Orange County lived in San Juan, took taken care of just, just crazy anyways. And um, so I was very happy and excited. I had my kids. I was a mom. I got to go to AA. I was sober. I had a husband. It was just like, Oh my God, I have everything. I was, Yay. Um, until about I was like eight or nine months sober. And my husband was acting weird. He was still partying. We still had the friends that we were partying with, and I was kind of hanging out with him, the designated driver, still trying and then trying to be a mom. And you know, it was it was hard because I I, I didn't want to do both, but at the, I just had to. It, it was really a hard uh time. But then god does for me what i couldn't do for myself um, my husband we had this big backyard and we had this deck and um this was like the beginning to the end of my life of my whole everything i knew it's so powerful because i just vivid i just i can remember him standing up there and then just yelling this isn't what i want this is what you wanted the kids, this life, this isn't what I want. And I don't and I don't wanna be married to someone sober. You're boring. But it was like yelling it and later on the neighbor to the side, everyone heard it all because he was like, but it was like when he did that, it was like, oh, any AA that I had in me, I think I was sober almost, I guess not quite a year, because um, he ended up yeah, it was um, you know, I was in AA and I was doing the, I was working the program. I was, I thought I was, I had no power, no spiritual, um, nothing. I was still on self-will. I was still emotionally, um, impoverished. I, I, I could not deal with it. And that was the beginning of the end. You know, he ended up, I found out that he had a girlfriend and I was just, I was sober and crazy as all hell. Um, and when I was 17 months sober, he kind of moved out, moved in, moved out, moved in. It was just this, you know, this whole thing. And when he finally, the last time he moved out, um, I went up to my parents with the kids. They were like two and three. My parents live up in Oregon and he had been out like a week and I, oh my God, it was like, oh, the worst pain ever. You know, I had my whole life I ever wanted sober kids, husband, and that just, everything just went boom, crashed. And then the psycho girlfriend, that was, oh, that was just the frosting on the cake, you know, Mm -hmm. psycho girlfriend. She hated me and she made my life worse than it was. Um, So I'm at my parents' house and my girlfriend calls me. He's like, oh my God, Jim brought that new girlfriend to the Christmas party. And you guys, I went into this brownout thing. I literally like lost my mind. I'm on the phone. She's telling me this, but it was like, oh, I wasn't drinking yet, but it was like this brownout thing. Because I'm just like, ah! and I was going through the pantry, my parents' pantry. I find thing, a thing, a bottle of wine. And before I know it, I'm in the kitchen. I open the wine and literally just drink the whole bottle right there. And um, it's like, a, it was like an out-of-body experience. And my poor mom and Kenny and my mom and dad and the kids walk back in. And my mom's like, oh my God, what happened? I drank. Um, so what happened is my mom had some tranquilizers and she gave me some. And then I was happy. <laughs> and then I ended up, when I left, my mom's like, okay, well, here, here's, take some with you. And I think back then you could drive. I had them like wrapped up. She didn't give me a lot. I wanted more. She gave me maybe 12. So, and then my mom knew Trish, my sponsor was, Trish was my sponsor at the time. So my mom's like, now, Jackie, you got to tell Trish you, you got. I said, mom, I will. Don't tell her. Cause she talked to Trish. I said, don't tell her. I'll tell her. And she's like, and I go, and don't tell you gave me these. <laughs> she's like, I'm like, mom, don't. So I remember every day I would like take one. And it's like, oh, because I, I mean, it was very stressful. And um, <laughs> so I'm, but I'm not drinking. I drank. I didn't tell Trish. And I'm taking these tranquilizers, and I'm being able to, I'm able to get up and the nanny's still there and I'm going to the gym and I'm trying to do some things, but then, um, I ran out and I went out with my girlfriend. Why I was going out to a bar, I have no idea. Somebody was babysitting the kids and I ran out that day, but she had Xanax. I never had Xanax before, but it was good. (laughs) It was good, but you know, I'm taking the Xanax and I'm taking too much. We're at this bar and I'm like, Oh, I'm already taking the Xanax. I'm drinking, I'm shooting some tequila and we go home and I'm taking more Xanax <clears throat> and then I don't wake up the next day. I'm not waking up. And, um, my friend and her daughter were there with the kids and they're freaking out cause I won't wake up. So they call like my mother-in-law, why they called her. I don't know, but my mother-in-law shows up at my house. By this point I found, and then she's up there trying to wake me up, but they called the cops, the paramedics. They called, the father-in-law was there, my sister was there, my drunk brother was there, my ex-husband was there, and everybody's outside. But when I came down the stairs, you guys, um, my mother-in-law was there, and I would put my hands on my mother-in-law, you know, and I'm a fighter, I'm not a flighter, I'm a fighter, and I'm going to literally take my mother-in-law and throw her out of my house. Um, She's pretty feisty, though, but, you know, I had this, something came over me, and I I stopped. And then something came over me, but... um, well, I think then the cops came in the house, too. <laughs> but then we're upstairs. I was in that snippet thing again, because then we're upstairs, going through my purse, they are going through everything, and I'm just, paramedics were there. Um, but what I remember is um, my ex-husband got to take the boys, so that would be one more time that the boys were leaving with, um, with their dad and they were supposed to be with me. And I remember them leaving. And then I went, they put me in, I think I went to Ashland for 10 days, which whatever I came out of 10 days and I was like, well, doing AA and drinking and sharing the kids with him and going through this divorce. And, um, a couple months later, that was in like December, I don't know, of five. And then I drank a few more times. And then this last time I drank, I, um, sitting on the couch, thinking, you know what, I probably can drink now. I think, you know what, I think he'll probably want to be with me if I could drink. So I just got in my car and I drove down to the store, not the closed store, I went a little further. Well, I don't know why I did that, but I went and got wine, I'll never forget it, come back and I'm drinking my wine and that was at noon on like a Wednesday and I was supposed to be a Pacific group with my sponsor, was Julie St. John then. I went from Trish to Julie because Trish was too close to my, she and my family. And I was supposed to be at Pacific group with Julie. And I'm like, I'm like calling everybody, telling everybody how mean Julie was and that she wanted me to go to Pacific group, but I'm a mom and I should be home with the kids and the kids weren't even with me. And, um, and then 24 hours later, noon on Thursday, Jim is knocking at the door and I'm in one of those blackouts. I don't even remember opening the door. He said he was knocking for a long time. And all I remember is the snippet thing. And he's there. He sees wine on the kitchen. He sees wine on um, in the house. And then all of a sudden he's in the house. Because I had been drinking. And I just drank the whole 24 hours. I was still up there drinking, passed out drinking. And I think someone might have come home with me if I remember. That was a whole other story. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Some guy relapsed with me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then he's calling the cops. And I'm hitting the phone out of his hand. I remember that part, slamming the phone. And um, then all of a sudden the cops are there. And then all of a sudden I am yelling and screaming at the cops. And um, the one cop brings me outside. And, well, I didn't, I guess, because all of a sudden I'm out on the porch. And the cop's like... I had this like, I got sober for a quick second because he's like, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna throw you down and put the handcuffs on you in front of your kids. But we're gonna let them walk out of here so they are, don't have to see their mom like that. But he was very, he hated me. But you know, when he did that something and I snapped out of it. And then one more time, the kids walked by with their dad and off they went in the car, I could see their little heads one more time and then he put the handcuffs on me and he arrested me and I went to jail and um you know I want I knew that my life um as I knew it was over and I I had been drinking I was in my pajamas I'm going to jail I'm screaming in the back of the car kicking oh god I was real I need to find that cop and make amends to um but you know Then you get to call somebody, but you have to call somebody to collect. And I'm not even sober yet. How much time do I have? Okay, good. So I I wait a day and I call my brother because that's the only phone number I know. This is my brother's shop. And um, my brother, one of his guys answered. And I told him what was going on, where I was. And I wanted my brother to come and get me. And my brother didn't come and get me. And this is where the magic happens and the power came in he, he came, he didn't come and get me. Um, it was a long weekend, Memorial weekend. Yeah. Memorial weekend. I think. Yeah. One of the, it was a long weekend. I forget. Maybe it wasn't. And, um, so I was there for seven days, but like the first two days I'm like belligerent and I'm like F everybody. I'm done with him. I'm going to just, I'm done fighting. He can have the kids. He can have the houses. Blah, blah, blah. I'm I was just this crazy nut. I'm like, I'm like, F you, I'm getting out of here and I'm drinking. I'm done. I'm drinking. And I needed a drink really bad that I was in jail and I couldn't get the drink. And had my brother gotten me out that day, that was that second day or third day, had he gotten me out, I would have left and I would have drank. And I probably wouldn't be here. But he didn't get me out. He kept me there. And the reason he kept me there, because he knew if I would have got out, he I would have killed myself or I would have still drank. And my brother literally got a, he has a really bad ulcer. <laughs> he told me afterwards that it's um, the hardest thing he ever did was to keep me there. And that his ulcer was inflamed and horrible after keeping me there for seven days. And they also had to have a plan what they were going to do with me. And they did, they put me in Coristone for 30 days. But what he did is when they came and finally got me, I always say the, the woman that went into jail in her pajamas is not the same woman that came out. Because on about day four, I'm laying on the cot and, um, this, this presence came over me, this voice said, Jackie, you're going to get out of here and you're going to do whatever, whatever it takes, you know, you, you don't never have to drink again and you're going to do whatever it takes to get the kids back. It's going to be long and hard, but you're going to do whatever it takes. Now that's my voice, but it's not me. And then I'm going to assure, I assure you that when I got out of jail, there's no way I could have not drank over what happened. Um, that is what happened i did not drink and john had gone my husband had gone to court got restraining orders for everybody i lost custody of the boys domestic violence i had a whole slew of stuff and um, my brother took me to the attorney's office and they told me what happened and you know it's like the in back in the spiritual experience it's like i had this profound uh, mine was sudden and spectacular because the woman that went in could not have reacted the way I reacted to that when I got out of jail because the way I reacted was what am I what do you want me to do I'm willing to do whatever it is to do you want me and I did and uh, my sponsor Julie kept me on and I stayed there for 30 days I didn't see the boys for 45 days I got um I had to do domestic violence classes two of them I had to do 30 days of Caltrans I got two hour monitor visits with my kids for months then I got like three days. I never got overnights unless unless her dad wanted to go away for the weekend with his girlfriend. Then he let me have them. But I took them whenever. But as far as courts, when I had the courts watching me, I had, I had to see Dr. Sultani. Um, every week I had to see 730 Evaluator, my sponsor, AA, everyone wrote letters. I mean, everybody, talk about humility and humiliation because I had no control over anything I did. Everybody was watching me. And it was the most painful thing I ever, I've ever done. I remember sitting across the table with Julie, just crying. I just cry all the time. And she's like, Jackie, just do you believe that I believe that if you do these things that you're going to be okay? And I said, I, that's all I had. I believe everything that she said. I said, I believe that you believe. And that's what I went with for a long time. You know, um, I ended up getting, after a year of sobriety, I went back to court. I got 50-50 custody. You know, um, I, I called my sponsor every day. I took direction, strict direction, because you know I didn't know how to live sober. I didn't know. I didn't know how to not start an argument with my ex. I didn't know how to constantly that emotional upheaval. You know, when she say, when she would say, "Just say I'll get back to you." You can do that. You know, I, I, I took literally direction from her. He had surveyed with papers to buy for Kate. This is one, and I remember calling her. I'm not going to sign those papers. I'm. Uh, I'm not doing that. How dare him do that? We still have to sell the properties. And she's like, Jackie, he doesn't want to be with you. You know, you're going to go to court and the judge is going to do it. He's going to grant it anyways. Keep your self-respect. She said, go down to the church, the mission, light a candle, say a prayer, go home, sign them, put them in the mail. And that's exactly what I did. I went down to that church. I lit a candle. I cried. I said a prayer. I went home. I signed them. I put them in the mail. When I put them in the mail, I had a I stood a little bit taller and had a little bit more self-respect. And these are the little things, and I wish I had more time. These are the little things that I would do, the little directions that I took that gave me more. I was, you know, more the self-respect, you know, more God-conscious. Mainly it was from my sponsor because I really didn't know, you know, I really didn't know how did I mean, I would um, constantly start arguments and she would teach me how, to respond differently. She would teach, I didn't know that you could say nothing or I'll get back to you.
1: I didn't know that you
0: can say, you don't have to make a decision, that you can say, you know what? I don't think I'm I'm gonna get back to you. I think I don't, It's I'm gonna, no decision. I didn't know you could do those things. I, I was plagued with my own crazy emotions. Um, you know, after a year, I got custody of my kids. My kids are 19 and 20 now. Julie um, was my sponsor for my first five years, and she saved my life. And then I went to Michelle was my sponsor, and I just got a new sponsor. And I'm starting kind of over. This last year has been very a hard year for me. Well, probably one of the hardest years that I've had in sobriety after those first three years. Mm, those were hard. Um, but, you know, my mom passed away last year. and You know, my son moved away to college in September and um, I switched sponsors. I've changed a lot. A lot of change has been in my life, you know, but what's been consistent for me is, you know, I call my sponsor every day. I'm starting the steps over with this new woman. I love her to death. I sponsor a a whole bunch of ladies that are, that means so much to me, that give me and bring so much to my life. I mean, this is, my life is AA. I have wonderful friends in here. I know a lot of people that are in here. Thank you for everybody that came out. And, and everything I have today, everything I am is from AA. And what I really got from AA, I had everything on the outside, the money, the house, the husband, blah, blah. Well, I don't have any of that. But what I do have is um, I got everything on the inside. You know, they say it's an inside job. It really is an inside job. And it's it's painful but you know when i, I i'm not going to change and i'm not going to do anything really different until i have to walk through the pain you know, the pain is the threshold to growth and i wish for everybody here you know walk through some pain and let's do some growing and that's been my experience thank you <laughs> Thank Speaker.